Raya and the Last Dragon. Is it Raya? Is it Raya? And why don't we call the whole thing off? I'm Mike. And I'm Derek. And this is Pop. podcast where our openings get worse and worse and today today we're going to be taking a look at Raya and the Last Dragon the brand new Walt Disney Animation Studios movie I think that's what they're called no yeah Animation Studios that's correct um this was originally released on March the 5th on Disney Plus but has now since gone free and is also in UK cinemas so it's uh, it's kind of one of the the first examples of a lapsed release that we've had, at least in this country, because, hey, we're not doing that crazy thing that Texas did and keeping it all open right when it's all kicking off. Uh, I'm still Mike. Uh, and I'm still Darren. Uh, yeah, we, I mean, can you tell we're a couple of cheap bastards that we didn't bring you this review in March um, for a kickoff, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, we did wait until it came through. Uh, admittedly, there is another film... Because basically this one came on as... So this one came off the premium option as Cruella moved on to the premium option. Yeah, um, so they've, they've really set up that kind of like uh, revolving door of what is the paid mm-hmm. option. Which is quite... Right. It, it's it's a good business model, don't get me it wrong. Is. People are paying for it, but yeah. fucking Cruella, really? I will watch it. I am going to uh, go oh, and watch it. I have. Already. You have watched it. We actually went back to a cinema to watch it as well. So, oh, well, I... I guess that's set up for a future review then. Yes. Oh, see, we can plan live on air sometimes too. Um, yeah. So that moved on. I imagine that will move off when Black Widow moves on to that option. Um, but as we approach the summer, there might be a few more. Like, so now the Jungle Cruise is coming, and so on and so forth. So they might try and pick, um, put a few more things on there uh, instead of just having one at a time. But uh, yeah, we we did wait because I this film looked interesting, but it didn't look fifteen pound interesting, um, and I, I it was another one where I was like I, I don't think I would have gone and watched it in a cinema anyway. It was almost definitely going to be a Disney Plus one at best, just because it's kind of well, it's coming off this studio has obviously had a bit of a renaissance. I mean, Tangled really did get it started, but obviously most people seem to forget about that because then Frozen happened next and kick things into the stratosphere even though i think both of us have gone on record as saying that tangled is a much better film than frozen is oh yeah i'm not even going to sit here and deny that frozen's a, not a good movie because it absolutely is but in terms of the cultural zeitgeist around that film everybody and their fucking dog is sick of frozen uh-huh. um but yeah like there was that gap wasn't there? in fact there wasn't a gap i believe it was like like 2009 possibly back end of 2010 there was princess and the frog which was the last um traditional 2d hand-drawn animation one and yeah. then you know tangled wreck it ralph frozen big hero six zootopia moana and then it came into oh um it was this wasn't it this is it yeah so we are now the fourth movie in the new impairing multicultural let's get some new princesses uh line of films 
Mm. Um, I think, well, because this is now coming off, so you mentioned Moana, which I think is better than both Frozen and Tangled. I think Moana is a really, really good movie. Perhaps the best, like, non-Pixar animated movie Disney has done in... Oh, boy. What was the last really good animated Disney movie, in my opinion? I'm I'm glad that you had to clarify that with Disney, then, because if you were about to say, what was the last good animated movie, I would be like, see previous review. (laughs) I know, I know. But, I mean, like, from, from the House of Mouse itself, like, I'm struggling past Lion King to think of a really good Disney animated movie. I mean, like, Wreck-It Ralph is, is good, but Ralph Bright Internet is one of the, like, just worst films. Mm. Like, and not just necessarily from a film quality point of view, just all round, just a horrifying experience, that film is. So, I don't know if that's then retroactively tainted the first one, but Moana is, like, genuinely interested because it did go with a um a background and a culture that is so untapped by mainstream american animation which is mostly animation we get in this country and they've kind of now seen well that really worked now obviously that had the rock behind it and you can never deny the pulling power of Dwayne. so there's that going against it but then you know, it just made such a big splash with everybody that i think now they feel more safe and more assured that they can now go and explore these other cultures and long may it continue because my god do i not need to see any more germanic fairy tales i'm done i'm good this is a lot more interesting it is i agree and it's something that kind of was kicking off you know as the disney renaissance happened i mean you think about aladdin like that's Mm. uh what what was that book that based off now arabian nights Um, yeah i think so yeah, so that uh, so that was like the one that started sort of the the moving away from the Grimm's fairy tales and into something far more different, which was which was pleasing to see. Um, I mean, there's a lot of ones that like people. I mean, the Tarzan films happened. I like Emperor's New Groove. You know, there there's some mm. some sleeper hits in there. I'm obviously Big Hero Six. You know, I went mad for that when that first came oh, out. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like in terms of building what is essentially the modern day canon of the Disney princesses, you know, Tangled, Frozen, Moana, and now Raya, it's a markedly different movie to all three of those. Whilst they keep the same framework of young girl goes on imposing journey, Tangled and Frozen specifically do feel more like traditional fairy tales. Moana sticks quite rigidly to that same framework whilst at least being visually distinct Mm. i think if we're talking about raya's greatest strength it is breaking that mold and it being it being basically the straight up just the hero's journey it is a southeast asian lord of the rings style quest Mm -hmm. that is the best thing i can say about it in, in that it can't be defined by the terms that the new disney canon is setting out it's it unfortunately has to follow Mitchell's versus the machines though, <laughs> and yeah, uh, yeah I, I I'm sorry I just don't think it's as good. And I did see this in March. I I did watch oh. this on Premier Access, and you know it's like so I, it's not even that kind of I saw the better thing first. I saw the better thing second, and Mitchell's versus the machines undoubtedly blows this out of the water. But not to say this is a bad film, because I don't think it is. Where do you want to start, Darren? I want to start by apologising for calling you a cheap bastard. That is only me. 
Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. um, well, I think, see, I, I, in terms of an overall opinion, I think I'm maybe slightly higher on the movie. I did quite enjoy it. Um, maybe, I don't think it has the same level of humour that Moana had. And I think, because um, obviously that one had musical numbers and this one doesn't. So um, and and the music in that one is bangy. It's probably the best thing about Moana in all honesty. Um, whereas I didn't go that way with this one. But I want to touch on so like I said with Moana that had the Rock behind it, who is the internet's favourite person. Um, this one, however, had Raya voiced by Kelly Marie Tran, who has not traditionally been the internet's favourite person. Not us. We <laughs> want that pointed out immediately. We are fine with Kelly Marie Tran. She was a victim of some poor poor choices by other people in the last jedi but they couldn't be coming from two different ends of the spectrum but i think she did really well i I must admit i didn't know it was her until i looked it up and i feel like was disney trying to hide the fact that kelly marie tran was the voice actor in case the internet did what it did Um, because i knew that aquafina was in this movie but i did not know that kelly marie tran was but i think she does a really good job i think raya is quite endearing as a character and because so the film has a bit of a time jump we see her when she's about i'd say about 13 14 and then we basically see her as a young woman she feels like the oldest protagonist we've had from the the four movies we just mentioned um and yeah i think she's very endearing she's not like overly you know nuanced as a character she's pretty straight laced but i i enjoy my time with her yeah she's like you say, because of the way that the plot's been set up, there is that distinct jump in time that you do get to see, which not many of the Disney canon stuff does. Uh, so just kind of a quick rundown of what of what the, the basic setup of the film is to kind of give Raya a sense of place in the world. Um, imagine a fantasy world map split up into five different countries. This is the land of Commandra. Uh, it looks vaguely like a dragon for very obvious design reasons. It's split into five distinct countries of fang heart spine talon and tail um all of which having which which is quite a good way of basing this in southeast asia where you do have all those various different uh countries with their own sets of cultures and backgrounds which is a really neat way of doing it um unfortunately there's a power struggle that goes on there is an orb um for which a dragon is supposedly contained i think that's what it was it's been a while since i've seen this um and that all basically dictates kind of who's in charge for the now, um, because there's several different dragons who were petrified um, into gems or, or lost to time. And there is but one dragon left, um, and that lies in the land of heart, which is where we get introduced to Raya as the warrior princess, if you will, if she's a Xena type of, mm-hmm. of the heart land, which... Um, is normally like this peaceful place and a place of mediation, but kind of gets stabbed in the back by the other four nations in a massive power grab, leading to Raya having to roam the other four places in this oddly dragon-shaped land. As a setup, it works quite well. I enjoy that it goes down the kind of the Mulan route. It kind of really doesn't go down the Mulan route now that I've said it out loud, though, because whilst it is, yes, a a sword-wielding, battle-hardened woman, it's... She's not having to hide. She's she's very out and out who she wants to be. She's only really incognito for the first, what, 10 minutes of the jump forward, if that. Mm-hmm. And then it's a very public quest, isn't it? 
basically it. So um, the 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 reason we go off on this journey is so that we're introduced to her in the Heartland, which is where this orb of um, the last dragon, uh, Sisu, uh, is kept. So basically, what happened is there was these really bad things called the dro- the Drune. They're never really explained. They're just evil purple cloud things. Um, they they don't they they can kill they, they don't kill people they petrify them into stones so i think of them like medusas basically um the last dragon sisu sacrificed herself to rid the world of the drune and they couldn't find sisu they just found this orb and the heart is the part of the land that kind of keeps it safe uh and uh raya comes from the family that is um asked to protect it's her and her dad who's played by daniel day kim um I've said that right around, haven't I? Yes, Daniel Dakin. Yeah, um, Daniel Dakin. Plays her dad. Um, who has the most fucking badass sword this side of fucking Link. I want <laughs> that thing. It's like it's like a grappling hook sword. Like It's made of metal, but the metal can be like extended out like a grappling hook and then pulled back in. Oh, it's dope. Want that. Um, it's... Um, so yes, they, they he invites all the other tribes from the lands that Mike said, and uh, he wants to basically bring them together because he believes they can all, you know, become a country again, and not these five disparate lands. But obviously, there's infighting, and that causes the release of the Drune, and then that's when we get the time jump forward um, to Raya still trying to find the last dragon. The, the orb gets shattered. It's in five different pieces now, and she's got one piece, and she's hoping Sisu can kind of come and help and bring the orb back together and restore peace to the post-apocalyptic world. They even make a joke about, you know, oh, great, another post-apocalyptic world. And it's like, it's only funny because it's true, and that means you shouldn't be making any more post-apocalypses if you can help it, but there we are. <laughs> um, I, I I will say, as much as, like, Raya herself is quite straight-laced, because there's a lot of other wacky characters around her, I really hope they're building... I hope they do a few more of these, and they're just going to build to, like, a Battle Royale film. Because I think we've got our winner. If she can take Elsa at the equation pretty quick, I don't see who's going to fight her. She is, like, from the age of 14, she's shown to be very capable. By the time she gets to, like, this age, she's like a badass. And this is, like, maybe the strongest suit of the film is they have a lot of good fight sequences in this. They do, yeah. There, There is actually a decent amount of good choreography that is unfortunately masked a little bit by a couple of poor editing choices, but... Besides that, it's fairly well structured as an action movie. Um, no less uh, in it presented its best form is to when you get scenes where Raya goes up against R. Now, is she is she the actual bad guy? Like, is she the antagonist? Uh, I would say so. For the for the purposes of the plot, she is. Fair enough, then. So we've got our antagonist in Namari, who's voiced by Gemma Chan uh, of Captain Marvel and soon to be of the Eternals, um, who plays the warrior princess of the Fangland. If you couldn't guess, the one named after the spiky teeth is the evil place. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are multiple kind of battles between um, Raya and Namari throughout the movie, and they're really good because they understand sword to sword combat. It is, it's flashy and it's swift and. It just works. It's it's good. It struggles in other scenes. It's there's a couple of chase sequences in the movie that I don't think work as well as they might hope they would. 
weirdly though that and i don't want to give too much away i still think the best scene is the um it's one that's set when you watch it it's the one set in the snow i think they thought that was just very very well done in in being mm-hmm. a small action sequence i agree yeah the it, it just peppered with a lot of them i kept remarking like this is really well done for a disney cartoon like i can't think of any other particularly traditional like sorry, modern disney animated films that have this level of choreography but they i like that they didn't hold back like i again i feel like they're just feeling so much more emboldened by their previous successes that they don't feel they have to make it like a traditional princess movie they can show that their antagonists are very capable fighters i, I will say before we get anywhere further this would make a really good video game it would, yeah. I feel like it's got the right kind of visual style for a really good action game. It's five different lands, so that's your Mario like bread and butter right there. Um, cool sword, cool way of transporting around on the big armadillo thing. Uh, I mean, what more do you need? Let's let's get on this, Disney. Uh, so, uh, yeah, she so um, Gemma Chan plays Namari. She's she's the antagonist, but it's only because. The, the basic beef everyone has with the Heartland is that it's very prosperous. And they've come to believe that that's because, well, at one point early on, they held the orb. So all these other regions, which are shown to be like functional, but not to the same level that the Heartland is, they believe if they get control of that orb, then they're going to be more prosperous. So she's just fighting for her own land. And they do set up quite subtly at the start because these two meet each other as kids. Uh, and they're both Sisu mega fans, and they just want to talk about dragons and stuff. And um, Raya offers Amari some rice, and she just remarks, like, oh, I haven't eaten rice in so long, because, you know, we can't really get to grow where I'm from. So they do set up, like, she's not just evil for the sake of evil, she's doing what she's doing because she believes that's the best course of action for her homeland, which is what makes the best type of um, antagonist. Like, they're not going for... Because you know, some of these Disney films, they want the antagonist to be really over the top. And, you know, that's where you get some fun from. I'm thinking mainly of Tangled here, mm. where you had the evil stepmother who was very, very over the top. They don't get that here. They play everyone pretty much straight outside of the band of weirdos that surround uh, Raya later on in the film. So I feel like they could have done with maybe giving her a bit more than just kind of she's stern. Like, that's not very interesting, but... As a way to drive the plot forward and for someone to fight Raya, she's pretty serviceable. She is, yeah. Um, it, it it works. It, it, it is very much of a type, but it, it's not a bad type. So I, I, I've less uh, I've less issues with that. Sweet. So should we finish off the human cast, um, or is it kind of pivotal to introduce Aquafina at this point? Uh, we, we've skirted around the Aquafina issue. I do feel like we should talk about it. Sweet. So, uh, Aquafina is playing Sisu, the last dragon. Um, very much an Asian-style dragon, not a European-style dragon. So, mm. nothing to do with fire, very much to do with water. They, they're they shown to be able to kind of fly, but it's they don't have wings. It's more like they can make water appear under their feet, kind of like Iceman. Um, yeah, so they're, they're water dragons, basically. Oh, God, she's things. just frozen, isn't she? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, she has control over water, and her name is Aquafina, so I feel like it's a nice, you know, that's a nice coming together of character and actress there. <laughs> uh, 
so so she's disappeared basically now i don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say raya finds her considering that sisu is all over the poses i presume you guessed that um now aquafina is a bit of a marmite person some people really get on board with her over the top style of comedy mm. some people don't now i've gone on record saying before i kind of do most of the time she can be a little irritating sometimes but she also can be quite funny so she was she skirted that line in crazy rich asian she crazy uh, skirted that line in oceans eight i really liked her in um jumanji 2 jumanji the next level particularly when she's playing danny devito and she does a five-star brilliant impression of danny devito for some reason um here again i kind of feel it skirts the line sometimes it, it, tell i i think it works most of the time there's only a few times where i was like oh, i'm a bit tired of aquafina stuff but she does get some laughs and she's by far and away the 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 driving force for most of the humor that is there in this movie she uh, yeah i i think i fall on the other side of that coin i i don't i didn't hate it but i also didn't enjoy it it was just kind right. of there it, it was you know what it is it's the 20 years removed version of Mushu, isn't it? It is like, it is at odds with what the film is yeah. for, for comedic purposes, for the kids, for the children. Um, and it's just, I'm no longer that age. I don't find the obvious, you know, comic relief animal character that interesting anymore. And this one's baked into the fucking plot. She's second billing on, on the posters. Yeah. I think that's the big issue. I think if Sisu was this character that was introduced later into the movie and he's like, he's just the deus ex machina, he's just the plot point, I wouldn't have minded it so much. But you spend a lot of fucking time with Sisu and it, I just didn't get on with it. It was, it, was never, it was never offensively bad. It was never like, this ruins the movie. And it was never like, I physically can't watch any more of this comedy. It was just... Well, I just felt like there was more, what's the word I'm looking for? More potential in the other characters had they given more time to the other people in this group. I think once you get past four people on the boat, you've you've lost all kind of nuance with everybody else. And and, and more time is given to what new powers is Sisu going to get next? I'm like, I don't yeah. fucking care, frankly. I see. I, I get the Mushu, Mushu comparison, but the one it reminded me more of was like the genie in Aladdin. Uh, I, I feel like this is otherwise a very like, you know, it's not set in at home because it's a fantasy world, but you know, there's no electricity going on here, so it's that kind of you know typical fantasy setting. And Aquafina feels like if you saw Aquafina in any other movie in 2021, she'd be doing this type of material. Much in the same way that Robin Williams doesn't feel like he's appearing in a, you know, a film traditionally set in like ancient Morocco. He's like talking about he's doing Jack Nicholson's impressions for fuck's sake. Like, it's not that extreme of like feeling as a place, but I can see where you're coming from that she doesn't really tonally fit the rest of the movie. I just think it's because I do find her funny most of the time, and just everything else in this movie, like there's there's. I don't think they necessarily have a voice actress. I'll just bring that up now. They introduce, just when they're they're really piling on the zany characters, they were like, what zaniness haven't we done? I know, a baby. 
So they introduce a baby <laughs> and her three pet monkey things. That are also kind of her parents, I guess? I don't know. And these four are like a kind of swindling, like, street team out to, like, rob people in, like... They go to, like, a kind of uh, market town type of place at night and not a lot of stuff. The baby and the three monkeys are out to steal things. I feel like that was done for comedy, but that never landed for me. Like, mm. I was just like, oh, this is just stupid. So, I, I feel like, because at least Aquafina got a few laughs, I'm maybe being slightly less harsh on her than I am, than you are, and maybe I should be outside of the context of the rest of the movie, but... At least I found myself entertained and wasn't like, oh, do we have to spend more time with the baby and the monkeys or with the 12-year-old kid? Like, I mean, it felt like they really did just need some quirky characters, but they didn't want to repeat previous quirky characters. And the best they come up with was a 12-year-old, a baby and three monkeys. Yeah, yeah, and you know, not only did they do the uh, the baby, a 12-year-old, three monkeys, they also did big, stupid, dumb guy as well. Um, yeah, but you know, we had to have one of everything, I guess. But that's Benedict Wong, and I just like him. I like when he's him. <laughs> like his appearance in uh, What We Do in the Shadows is still one of the best episodes of that series. So. Oh, yeah, it is. I, it's really good. I, I cut Benedict Wong some uh, some slack. Star Wars and Marvel all over this. Disney are really getting a bit incestuous at the moment, aren't they? Um, a little bit. Because uh, we had Kelly Marie Tran and uh, Alan Tudix, who voices an armadillo. Uh, I mean, whatever gets you paid, Alan. But all right. Um, and like, then... Now, Alan, there's no dialogue and we'll still pay you the full rate. Dope. <laughs> What's my motivation? You're an armadillo that had sex with a pill book. Okay. Sweet. <laughs> let's roll. Um, <laughs> let's roll. Uh, yeah, that's, that's Tuk Tuk, who is just a cute because again it i'm praising it for like being a bit more adventurous but you can still tick boxes like do they have a cute animal sidekick like the pig in moana and the chicken in moana and the reindeer in dwayne johnson uh, <laughs> dwayne johnson in moana, and the reindeer and the and in frozen and the the chameleon thing entangled she has this this is at least somewhat practical it's it makes sense it's like a mode of transportation so that's better than nothing, I guess. Um, but yeah, fair play on two weeks. And you've got Aquafina, Gemma Chan, and Bendit One from Marvel. So they're not. I appreciate that they've kept it all Asian actors and actresses, other than Alan Tudyk. So good job there, I guess. But yeah, <laughs> realistically, so... you know, is there, are there any armadillos crying out for any equal opportunities no. on this one? <laughs> That's a very good point. Um, right, I think what. We mentioned the 12-year-old boy. He's called Captain Boone, I want to say. Yes, Boone. Cool. Uh, played by Isaac Wang, who is, I think, himself, like, 13 or 14 years old. He's just noise. <laughs> he is just noise, which is annoying that he then has a quite a decent backstory that is very... Like, it feels like the movie's going to go into it, and then it very quickly introduces baby and monkeys. And I'm like, yeah. okay, we're not, we're not going to, like, you know find out why it is a 10-year-old is running a fucking restaurant and where his family are and what's going on in this world. No, baby and monkeys, okay, no problem. Yeah, they, they keep teasing, like, there's deeper stuff happening. Like, you know, we know that the, the Droon have largely taken over, like, any big populous places 
and we find out that Captain Boone's family have been petrified and that the big died that Benedict Wong is playing. All of his tribe are basically wiped out by the dune and all frozen as stone. Um, so, yeah, they keep dipping into that, but then it's like, oh, now let's do some wacky adventures with the dragon and the baby and the monkeys. There's a bit of a focus problem sometimes. But this thing, I'm saying all this, it, the, the central through line, because they gave it a quest setup, you never really delve on anything that's not working for too long because it's like well we need to get to the next um action set piece we need to get to the next location animation wise beautiful but i feel like that's kind of redundant to say at this point it really is because you there's there's a disney standard and it will meet that they've not really made an ugly looking movie in well have they ever made an ugly looking movie i think is the question hmm that's a good question uh Let's think about their uh, their back catalogue again. So, I mean, you can argue against that the, 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 the black and white shorts haven't aged well, but let's just think about yeah. the recent stuff. So, like, yeah, all the Disney Renaissance stuff, so Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Lion King, it all looks good. Um, I'll go on. Go on. Meet the Robinsons. Yep, yep, yeah, that, that sucked. Yeah, fair play. That yeah. is an ugly-ass ugly ass movie i've only kind of half watched it once but disney responsible for mars need moms as well oh were they oh were they now i have to know now i have to I, know. I don't i haven't watched that one so yeah but meet the robinsons is particularly an ugly film it's her um so they've got everyone's got one but i mean that's a pretty spotless track record considering how long they've been in this game so fair enough Maybe I'm just double checking. Oh man, I remember Treasure Planet. That was a very underrated movie. Oh, okay. So Meet the Robinsons isn't counted under the mainline Disney animation movies. That's interesting. But it was Disney, right? I'm sure it was. I just don't know which studio did it. Oh wait, no, it is. Sorry, it is number forty-seven. Oh, and Chicken Little was before it as well. Yeah. Yeah, that truly was fucking cursed. Yeah, those are the worst ones. <laughs> it comes to something when you make Dinosaur, which looked outdated when it came out, and that still looks better than Chicken Little. I forgot about Dinosaur. Yeah, that's not great either. Oh, God, they had a bit of a rough patch there, didn't they? Oh, well. Yeah, it was called the early 2000s before they uh, they actually made something decent. Oh, God, did they just suck for 10 years? Hang on. Fantasia 2000, which was not as good as Fantasia. Dinosaur, which was weird. Emperor's New Groove, which I like. Oh, Atlantis. I really like Atlantis as well. That's the one I've seen. I couldn't remember if it was that or Treasure Planet I've seen. The Atlantis I've seen. Then Lilo um, Stitch, Treasure Planet, Brother Bear, which no one remember. Oh, Home on the Range. There we fucking go. Oh, the cow movie. The cow movie. That's now a meme, apparently. Oh, is it like B movie levels of meme? not even that it's just i think it's just like one section of like they've heavily edited this cow to be doing something dumb and it looks terrible <laughs> anyway chicken little meet the robinsons bolt and then you get princess the frog at the back end of 2009 and then it kicks off with tangled okay so look forward to a dip at some point um it's coming <laughs> good uh anybody else in the cast you want to touch on i think i've covered everyone to bear with it, really, um, just to go over the other players in this one, in terms of the main voices, you've also got Sandra O, oh, who voices uh, Namari's mother, Virana, I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, yeah. She's fine. I like Sandra O, oh, but there's not a lot for her to do in this. It's just be vaguely evil and then exit the plot immediately. 
Um, <laughs> what if the Emperor was kind of beige? <laughs> what Darth if... Vader was similarly kind of beige. There you go. <laughs> what if the Emperor didn't turn out to be all that bad anyway? I think that's one of the biggest problems I have with the movie is that no one ever turns out to be that bad anyway. Um, well, and you I... think that that would be refreshing, right? Yeah. But I feel like we get either a movie that is indulging in the villain, the villainy. I mean, look at fucking Cruella. Um, or you get like, you know, at the end of Rise of Skywalker, Ben Solo's good now. And I know I like that one. Don't bring that back on me. I, I fucking love the character of Ben Solo. But like, they gave this character nothing to do. Like, she was vaguely bitchy in one scene and then it was down entirely she didn't need to be there i think it would have been more effective had she not been in the time jump like you go into the future and have a reason for her not to be there that gives namari more stuff to do i, I think that would be a good idea yeah i can agree that you're making me not like this movie as much as i did sorry <laughs> it is good like it's it fine is, yeah. There's, there's a lot to like about it, but yeah, maybe it's not as good as I remember. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. oh, well. Um, yeah, that's. Is that everybody? I think that's all the pretty much main yeah. players want to talk about. So, yeah, it's it suffers from the fact that I just don't think it has the, some of that unique charm that Moana does that makes you come back. I don't think it's necessarily the lack of music because I don't think tonally it would have fit this movie as well because it's not daily it's not as light an area as moana is it's un, until sisu turns up it's actually a relatively straightforward and serious movie like the the armadillo thing's trying to be a little funny and cute and being a bit bumbling but that's about it when sisu turns up totally it shifts completely but I, I i did come away as thinking that was good i'm glad i didn't pay for it necessarily but it was fine. I just don't think it's destined to live as long in the memory as the three that have preceded it. Now, that might be because, again, it just didn't get that full cinema release until, well, three months after people could have seen it at home for 15 quid. But I, I just got the feeling that this isn't destined to be the absolute juggernaut of merchandising that the three previous are. And... That it's it's because of small things like again coronavirus going against it notwithstanding that there's, it's just lacking a little bit of that special sauce and it is otherwise just a very solid addition to the Disney lineup but nothing earth shattering I don't think I agree yeah it's not it's not going to be a big uh, a big mainstay as far as I can tell I put it this way I don't see anybody's kids dressing up as Raya. And that is a shame because I think the costume design and character design and world design are all really strong. And I think the the influences from Southeast Asian culture being so varied is fairly well translated to the variation seen in the characters in this movie. And it's it's quite good as a Disney-fied version of that part of the world. It works. It doesn't have that special source, though. There is no defining thing visually or kind of in terms of the character other than a cool weapon for a couple of them the riot sword's pretty fucking cool but like there's, there's nothing there it, it, it lacks that 
it lacks that zing. It doesn't have that that little factor. Um, you know what? Maybe it is the fact that it wasn't a fucking musical that kids love, because it tries to be something different, and in doing that, it pleases media twatters like you and me. But like, is it pleasing the audiences? I would look. I would be fascinated to see who watched this. And if there are anybody's kids who this is their new favourite movie, I'd be very fascinated to see that. Yeah, I've got um, a goddaughter who loves Moana, loves Frozen, loves Tangled. I'll use her as a litmus test, but I do want to keep something in mind. I think Tangled, I, I only have vague recollections of that, but I think with Frozen and Moana, they both actually showed a slow burn approach where... It wasn't like a high school musical thing where they were just like instantly popular in the moment and then kind of quickly faded. They had longevity, like, and they weren't like I don't remember when Frozen came out. It wasn't. I think I'm pretty sure I was working at cinema time. It wasn't like all that bigger thing right there and then. It just stuck around for a long time as good word of mouth kind of carried it forward, and then it kind of gradually built into being a juggernaut. And I feel like Moana was the same. Moana didn't instantly become like, oh, this is brilliant. It was like, well, this is good. Well, this is good. Well, this is good. Well, this is great. Well, this is great. Well, this is great. And now it's kind of held aloft as like something, yeah, an animated movie of the last 10 years that's really, really good. Mm. I, maybe that lack of special sauce is what's going to stop that from happening with this. But yeah, again, my goddaughter is literally... You could draw a picture of her for the target audience and you'd be bang on. So I'll, I'll report back, I guess, when it comes to Christmas and I'm being told I need to go and buy Sisu teddy bears. Um, so we'll see. But I, I wouldn't count it just yet. I mean, again, it not having the full cinema release is working against it a little bit. Mm. But we will... I mean, again, it's already been out for three months, actually. That's a point. Uh, maybe now it's come on to free. That's when it will actually kick off and kind of get that ground as well but we'll see uh right spoiler alert um not all that much to cover but um i do want to kind of cover the i, I like that they start off with sisu just kind of being well she's a dragon but she can't do much other than she's very good at swimming um and as they kind of repair repair the orb it gives her more powers I think, again, that kind of added to that nice sense of escalation through the movie that kind of keeps the plot moving forward. Uh, and visually, they're just very nice pairs to look at. Like, when she can breathe fog, that's pretty cool. Never seen a dragon do that before. Mm. I liked that in terms of it felt suitably fantasy without being, like, too draconic. You know what I mean? It wasn't just like, mm. you know, all dragons have wings, breathe fire, and are scaly motherfuckers. Like... They they very much leaned into the Asian influence there, and it was a bit more mystical, which I appreciated. Um, but I think that, like, as that went on, yeah, sure, you've got that escalation. You know, it's very video gamey in the way that the main plot device is repaired and you unlock more shit. So, yeah, it really would work well as a, as a video game the more I think about it. But I think it just it comes back to the fact that I just don't think Sisu is a particularly fun character. Not not that she's not a fun character, because she's a fun, quotation marks, character. It's just that the character doesn't evolve. And for an ancient being, I guess, she can't be expected to. But there's... You, you get very kind of like... 
actually kind of like fairly substantial scenes of Sisu's past and about how the dragons gave their lives to save the world. And none of it feels weighty. And I think that's the, the difference between, you know, where you get to see what led Raya to have to do this. And it is quite an effective scene when all the uh, all of the inhabitants of Heart are getting turned into stone. It's a fucking cool visual as well. Just like, it's almost like Terracotta Army style, but a bit more like mm. manic, which I really, really liked. And then you've got the opportunity to do something very similar with a mythical creature. And it it just feels oddly generic. It's a little bit like, a little bit disappointing yeah, I can't shake that feeling there too, that they, because it's such fertile ground to, to play, because the, you know, there's not that many East Asian, like if you're into anime, I'm sure there's hundreds of them, but in terms of mainstream um, American anime, animated films, this is pretty much the first one I can think of, from a certain, from a major studio anyway, to, to, to mess that up and to kind of coax that on, well... We could get more into the mythical side of things, but wouldn't you rather have some Aquafina comedy? Like, as much as I liked it, I feel like, yeah, you're probably right. They could have done more with really exploring this new type of dragon. Did you know, Michael? Little fun fact. Dragons are one of the few universal things found in old cultures, no matter how disparate they are. And yeah, that's interesting. Uh. Yeah, they turn up in Aztec uh, mythology. They turn up in um, African mythology. They turn up in European uh, Asian, etc. There's always dragons. Not the most universal thing. That would be, no joke, the word, huh? Wait, in... what? <laughs> yeah, the the noise, huh? Which you don't know to mean what or eh? Is found in every single language, and wow. very little um, deviation from just the general noise of, huh? There you go. Little fun fact for you. It's the it's the one thing that binds us all as a human race. It's just being fucking confused at what's happening. He's going, huh? Dragons? <laughs> Dragons? Huh? Yeah, it's, it's the universal language. Confusion and giant scaly bastards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who knew? Um, yeah, I, I, I said I. As much as now I've kind of come down on this a little bit from talking to you, I usually do this. This is the other way around. Usually, I'm usually dragging you down. Um, this is a way, this is a bit of a difference, but I I hope they carry on. There's a lot of cultural um, stories they could dip into for this type of setup, like stick the fort the new the new age Disney princess formula onto different cultures. I still think it's a very interesting way to go mm. like i know we're all on the diversity train but it, it's the biggest strength of diversity is you get to experience new things how boring would life in britain be if we just ate shepherd's pie all the time it's why we want all this diversity to come into play <laughs> and that's the same thing that you then can then go and inspire people like because there'll be people who have never been exposed to this type of thing who now go out because of this movie and want to read more about Asian culture, learn more about their mythology, and then they'll have good ideas. That means in the future, we won't just be following the same bloody Grimm's fairy tales all the fecking time. We'll have new and interesting ones to look at. So it's very much... I really do hope they carry on with this. I hope this is deemed a success. They might have to change the parameters of how they deem it a success, because obviously they can't just go off box office. I know, like, returning box office in countries that can go have been pretty strong, like Cruella has done pretty much but not what it would have done on a full release but not a million miles off either 
considering you know the restrictions that are still in place because when we went to see Cruella uh, it was at the old inn in West Brom I would say maybe pushing a third full screen and that's probably being charitable and Cruella is still apparently doing well enough that they've already greened it the sequel um they felt like going for it, but I oh, hope they're able to say really? like, "Is that true?" Oh yeah, 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 hundred percent. They're doing oh, Cruella too. Jesus Christ. Uh huh. Or oh, Tuella, as I hope it's fucking called. <laughs> um, otherwise, what was the point? Um, yeah, they're they're gonna do a sequel to that. So hopefully, they have a way of measuring <laughs> success of this movie to then go, "We can do this again." Can it? Can it please be called Tuella or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Skin the Dog? <laughs> I I'm gonna keep my cards close to my chest on Cruella because I want you to go in um untainted by me. Okay. I- interesting. <laughs> I'll give you that word. I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't bored. It was interesting, so <laughs> now I'm excited. Now I'm excited to go and see either something that's surprisingly okay or a literal fucking trash fire with no in between. I'm, I'm real worried that I was just I was just high on being back at the cinema, mm. like even in West Brom, I was just high on being back in the cinema. And I don't know if that's kind of um, changed my opinion, like heightened my emotions towards the movie a little bit. But we'll uh, we'll see. I it, it's worth going to see. Just I'll put it that way. Mm. Um, cool. Right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Um, we, yeah. Sorry, I was cheap, and that's why this has arrived to you uh, three months later than it could have. But uh, don't worry, we're going to be a lot more of the moment very soon. We are, and to be fair, for our core audience in the UK, uh, this only just came out, uh, unless you were an idiot like me and watched it on Premier Access. So it's all good. Uh, next week, in fact, right now, as this episode comes out, we are in the depths of E3. Um, we'll have been a couple of the major conferences in by this point, uh, I believe. If it's coming out on Sunday, then we will at least have mm-hmm. uh, Ubisoft will be out the way or be in the books. Of course, it's the big boys uh, next week by the time listening to this uh, or in a few days time with uh, Bethesda and Microsoft now doing a joint conference because of that big buyout that happened. Uh, and of course, uh, the Nintendo Direct finally making its triumphant return to E3 on Tuesday. Uh, so fingers crossed for Crash in Smash. Hopefully it happens. I mean, it doesn't matter because on whatever the one is happening as we record this, they announced Jurassic World Evolution 2. All is right with the fucking world. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you do to make that game a sequel. Like, uh, more <laughs> dinosaurs, I guess. I mean, they have said, because um, uh, as we record this, we are exactly one year away from Jurassic World Dominion. And apparently there's going to be an extended... Uh, preview of it attached to Fast 9 when that comes out I think in a couple of weeks Um, and this has been backed up by a poster and just some inside details the preview is going to be set 65 million years ago and on the poster there's a dinosaur with feathers so maybe that's what it is it's just all the dinosaurs from the first game but we put some feathers on (laughs) (laughs) I hope you're ready for big T-Rexy chickens did evolution give you the opportunity to pro- crossbreed dinosaurs that weren't in the film? Uh, no, they had like set um, hybrids. So you had um, a the was it the it was a stegosaurus and a, and a um, triceratops crossed over each other. A 
Brachiosaur and uh, uh, and Kylosaurus crossed over each other, and then you could get a Spinosaurus and a Raptor crossed over. You couldn't just splice anything together like it was fucking Spore. Um, so maybe that, but I mean, because then you could. What's going to happen if you put a fucking Compi and a Diplodocus together? What's that? <laughs> you're gonna, your PlayStation Five's going to blow up. So <laughs> uh, that would be fun, though. Uh, that would be something. That that would be not. I mean, like there's 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 still loads and loads of dinosaurs. Admittedly, the DLC kind of showed that they they all kind of fit into a broad category of either big meaty thing, small meaty thing, long neck plant thing, or short neck plant thing. So, bit of a much of a muchness. If they have all the iconic ones, but they've said they're going to not set it on the islands. You can kind of go around places. In all honesty, the dinosaurs were fine. It was all the like other basic stuff you could do that could do with filling out. Like you only really had like shops but all they all serve the same purpose it had some really like really limited terrain tools so um yeah the more expense the more expanse they can do on literally everything else other than the dinosaurs i'm all for it yeah it'll be interesting i still need to play the first one uh i will get around oh it's to it. so good it's it's i think it came on playstation plus at some point so you should hopefully have it in the library for free somewhere it's either on playstation or xbox i've definitely got it somewhere i just can't I... remember where I would highly. I, I mean, I am the world's most biased man when it comes to these type of things. But I, as we I discovered did, in an earlier podcast, yeah, I know. So it's it's genuinely is. I really enjoyed it, except for um, Isla Takano because Isla Takano can go fuck itself. That's a direct quote from <laughs> Fairland Entertainment. That is the official opinion. But that <laughs> island can fuck off. Um, so we got really distracted. So yeah. E3, who knows what we'll be talking about on our next podcast. I've, there's so many rumours wanging their way around at the minute. Apparently GameStop in America are gearing up for something Zelda related. I've heard the rumour that it might be a 35th anniversary collection. So, fingers fucking crossed. Um, but they were saying, like, there was Wind Waker artwork and there was Twilight Princess artwork and Ocarina of Time artwork. Who knows? Um, that... There's apparently rumours of a Ubisoft doing a Sam Fisher game. They didn't necessarily say Spin to Cell, but they were like a Sam Fisher PvP game. I'm like, ooh, that could just be DLC for like whatever the Tom Clancy um, um, Rainbow Six game is. Yeah, but... Rainbow Six Siege. Yeah, so it might just be that, but I'm hopeful maybe it's Spin to Cell. Um, yeah, all manner of rumours zip zopping all over the place. So I, I'm. So sometimes we come out of like Nintendo Directs, like the last one we did, we were super low energy for that one because it sucked ass. But surely to God, in five days worth of video game coverage, there'll be something to talk about and get excited about. Oh, hopefully. I mean, what whilst we're here, uh, what's your what's your what's your one prediction and your one desire? Uh, my one desire, as always, is Dino Crisis. My um, my one guess. I think we're going to get extended trailer for Breath of the Wild 2. And I think we'll get our first... This this is a long shot. I think we'll get our first Metroid Prime 4. I, I'm not going to go as far as to say gameplay trailer. I think we'll get cinematic tease. Not mm. like logo in space. I mean like actual plot line teaser for Metroid Prime 4 yourself. Ooh, hard to say. Uh, I think in Microsoft's one, you're going to get... Uh, I think they're going to have to come out and say it, that all the Bethesda games from this point are Microsoft exclusive. 
So I think that means they're going to show off probably Starfield, I think. Yeah. So I think it's too early for Elder Scrolls 6. I, I could be wrong, but that's what I think. I think we're going to see Starfield, and we're going to basically go get confirmation that none of it's coming to PS5, which I can live with, frankly. I own mm. an Xbox anyway, so I literally do not lose out, but... I can live with it. Uh, my one desire, though, ooh, 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 you know it's Crash, crash or Smash. But, I if I, but if I'm not being a, uh, a very uh, predictable young man, I would like... Hmm, what do I want? What do I actually really, really want? Outside of another trailer for Pokemon Legends Arceus, which I don't think is going to happen. No. Um, uh, it's It's... it's it's shit for me to say I want a surprise, but I would like it'd be like like the people who bought you like a game from the past doing it again. So like you know getting like oh the Dead Space team are back and they're making another horror. Oh wait they are doing that. So okay yeah. that one's out. Shit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, um. Uh, what do I want? I know what I want. I want a Pokemon Stadium game. And it's not going to happen, but that's what I want. Like a high end. Like proper, like the sword and shield graphics, but on steroids. Pokemon Stadium game, pretty much, yeah. Like the the well, this is the thing. If they were, if they announce the Switch Pro, that would be ah. a really good because it could still happen. That'd be a really good graphical showcase, if nothing else, because you haven't got to do a lot of uh, animation, but like you can do a lot with texture textures and stuff like that. Make it look fair. real, like proper there actually to be fair thinking about it the switch pro opens a lot of doors and of course there's detective pikachu too which may or may not be happening <laughs> yeah true i i'm really hoping for something major like they were like we really need to make a splash with this you know we didn't have one last year we really want to kick off this thing i'm not saying gta 6 but take two are there rockstar aren't but you know Catch your mind, Grand Theft Auto 4 was teased at an E3, specifically in a Microsoft con um, conference with a dude with a tattoo on his arm. So, mm, yeah, I mean, it's not, I mean, it's since unprecedented because they didn't do that for 5 or Red Dead 2, but you never know. And of course, as always, Cooler World 2. Always Cooler World 2. Come on, Sony, don't be fucking cowards. Do it. You brought <laughs> Have the minerals back. <laughs> they showed a trailer for a game uh, the other day in like the pre in like the pre three build up that I swear to Christ was basically just overboard. So I think it's all coming back. I mean, <laughs> does this mean we're going to get um, Skull and Bones? Not Skull and Bones. I mean, that is a good question. Are we going to get Skull and Bones? That is the Ubisoft pirate one, right? That's the one. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Yeah. Are we going to get that anytime soon? Um, that would be nice. Uh, yeah. I. I'm just gonna have a quick look at my shelf. Uh, oh, I know what. I, but tell us more about Lego Star Wars, but then say it's been that long in development. Don't worry, we're finally doing Lego Simpsons. It just makes sense. But yeah. I think I think Dino Crisis is more likely than that at this point. Yeah, uh, I think about like the classic stuff, and I think it's really only Dino Crisis that hasn't has a, apart from Cooler World that hasn't had like its big comeback. Tell you what, I'll give one more. Save Park's third game would be nice oh shit yeah yeah it, and especially been... if it's called something like the contractual obligation trilogy or something like yeah. that i feel like fractured butthole did enough to to warrant maybe one more but uh that's, maybe that's a bit 
far-reaching. Anyway, thanks for listening to this uh, video game talk at the end of a Disney animated uh, podcast. You know <laughs> really what we're know our audience. by this point. Jesus. Oh, God. Uh, yes, we already, uh, also, we, we, we're hopefully working on a Pokemon pitch, because, oh boy, I had a bolt from the blue the other day, and I got so excited, I've already written two pages before I even told Mike about it. Yeah, so. let, let, let's fucking say this out now. Like, we were going to do Region 3, and, uh, oh yeah. boy, did that not happen. <laughs> like, I, I think we'll touch on that when we do do our next pokemon pitch episode because like i got i've got some pokemon ideas i want to share i don't want my work to go to waste but yeah I, I was i was dead in the water with that one i had a few good ideas for pokemon but story evading me for it that was like we did that what three or four months ago gotta be and right. i haven't thought of beat one of story and i don't think it was ever gonna come it was it was not going very well. We didn't give ourselves because we restricted ourselves and we spunked too much, many good ideas on the uh, on our second region. Like that was like truly one of the closest pitches we've done. Right, I think. Well, I think I think we would just have so much fun doing them. I thought, well, the formula can't be messed up. Let's do a random country. That was a poor decision. Uh, it turns <laughs> out. But yeah, more on that when we get to it. Hopefully, in a few weeks. So, like I said, we we are. We have a little bit of a gap between E3 and uh, Loki and Black Widow coming, but we've got some ideas. In the Heights is out in that time frame, so we'll hopefully have a review of that as well. But where will they find out about all of our reviews when they do happen, Michael? Well, when they do find out, you can go and find me on Twitter and Instagram and at that moco, and you can go and find Darren on Twitter and Instagram and at the Gutridge, and you can go and follow the site on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook under the username Fowley and T. That's F O U L E N T. They can also find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you can pick up an RSS feed under the username Fowley and T or Fowley and T podcast, depending on the service you're using. And of course, they can go to fowlentertainment.com for all of this and more. That's where you can find us, if you didn't already know. It's not like I say it at the end of every episode. You'd like to think they got the message by yet, uh, but apparently no. Anyway, uh, yeah, do go follow us, do keep up with everything, and I hope you have a wonderful and prosperous gaming Christmas at this weekend's E3. Fingers crossed for Crash and Smash. Bye, everybody! Bye! Thank you.